This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And your host today, can y'all hear me okay? Go ahead and hit your emojis down there at the bottom, heart with a plus sign. Beautiful. All right, great. Thanks, guys. And welcome to everybody joining me live on TimCast.com, members only. Thank you for subscribing. All right, so a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The Second Amendment guarantees two fundamental obligations. One is the right of the militia or a body of people to protect the free state and two, the right of the armed individual to defend himself. This is the originalist reading of the Second Amendment and it's been reaffirmed in Heller VDC in 2008. Self-defense is a natural right endowed unto us simply by the virtue of being human. So why the dismissal by the US government? Why the push by politicians and activists alike to disarm the people anyway? Why the determination to punish and to weaken those who've done nothing wrong for the sins of those who have? Well, I have the privilege today to speak with Lauren Southern and John Dutoit about their recent documentary released at TimCast.com to get answers to this and much more. For those of you in the chat, I've placed the link to the trailer up there in the Jumbotron. So if you'd like to watch that after the space, you can go ahead and just click that link. It'll bring you right to it. But anyway, welcome Lauren and welcome John. Hey, thanks for having us. I apologize. I've lost my voice, so I've got that uh, sexy smoker thing going on right now. Oh, hell <laughs> yeah. that's uh, acceptable. Well, that is the wholesome and quality content that these listeners are here for, so you're in luck. You're in luck, Lauren. Excellent, excellent. John, are you alive over there? I'm alive and well. Thank you for having me. This is my first spaces on Twitter, so I'm very new to this experience, but yeah, very happy to be here. Thank you. Wonderful. Welcome. Everyone, make sure, make sure to go subscribe to John because he's completely shadow banned on Twitter. Like, you will not see a single one of his tweets or his profile come up unless it's in this space. <laughs> Definitely go ahead, click follow of both my guests or anybody else in here that looks cool or sexy that you might want to follow. All right, uh, Lauren, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, I am a documentary filmmaker, YouTuber, that's the less fun version, or a fancy version, rather. Um, and I've been in the YouTube sphere since I was a teenager. I grew up all my adult life on the internet. Started doing the anti-feminism stuff in kind of 2015 with Rebel Media and my own YouTube channel. Then I went independent around late 2016, 2017. I have... Uh, four or five films out now. Uh, we did. I've done a few with John. Farmlands is probably my most popular one on the South African farm murders, and then Borderless, uh, Crossfire, American Mirage, and now Infringed. What we're all talking about today. Awesome, John. Can you introduce yourself? 
Yeah, um, I'm a filmmaker. Uh, I also dabble in music on my own time. Uh, I, I sort of, you know, uh, got into these circles in 2015 uh, when I started following uh, a lot of people you know, with the election, but uh, specifically Mike Cernovich, uh, who um, I got into contact with to then uh, work on Hoaxed, his film on uh, his documentary on fake news. Mm -hmm. So I co-directed that with the amazing Scooter Downey, who's also done work with Lauren, I think on Crossfire. And uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I got involved in the, you know, in in the, in the right wing Twitter sphere. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you both here. So your documentary infringed. I actually waited to watch until two o'clock this afternoon because I wanted it all fresh in my head to be able to do this. So I want to to do this interview with y'all, but I also don't want to give away too many spoilers about what's in it because we definitely want people to watch this. I believe everybody should. It was just so incredibly well done. Uh, what inspired you to make this documentary? Like what were your, what were your goals? Lauren, and I think that's for you. Yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take this one over, John. I'm going to let you do all of, like, the technical history stuff because I'm dyslexic with numbers. <laughs> oh, no. Do I um, do I still have you guys here? Yes, can it you hear me? Dis yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Can uh, everybody the in the audience hear NSA, Lauren? NSA, every intelligence agency is just hammering my internet connection right now. So. Oh, that's, that's okay. If we lose, I understand I've had this happen in the past to other speakers before, so if we lose Lauren, John, you're, you're taking over until we get her back, okay? Right. I'll, I'll be praying for her not to lose her. Yeah, absolutely. All right, make sure y'all got good service and you're situated in a, in a space where maybe the feds can't, can't hear you. Put some tinfoil around that shit. So true. <laughs> um, yeah, it was about like a year or so ago. I was sitting down. I'd just done TimCast. What is a woman had come out? And uh, Tim Poole was like, man, Lauren, I really enjoyed your documentaries. Tim and I have known each other for ages. It feels like, yeah, since I was a teenager, maybe. I was like 19 mm -hmm. when we first met, maybe. Anyways, uh, he's like, I like your documentaries. You should make one with me. What is a woman was great. And what if we did like, what is an assault rifle? Because absolutely nobody knows <laughs> what that is, seemingly. And um, what's crazy is we're just like, yeah, this will be like a really fun film to do. And a lot of the gun news came out during the making of the film. Like, obviously, I'm Canadian, which is very ironic because John is as well. So you had to get two Canadians to come and do <laughs> a, uh, a film on American gun rights. But we know firsthand how bad it is because in the process of making this film, Canada banned all handguns, right? Mm -hmm. So the story was actively developing while we were making this movie and it's constantly actively developing. Like they're constantly talking about banning guns. It's constantly, you know, an issue worldwide and throughout all of history. So I, I think both of us felt and definitely Tim felt a real deep dive investigation into what the past of gun rights has been, the present, the actual definitions of the right to bear arms, what these things mean. It was due time for a film like this before we lose them all. Because the truth is, I, I always worry that my movies are more so going to be a historical record of what went wrong <laughs> rather than necessarily always something that's going to prevent it from going wrong. Mm -hmm. But 
hopefully hopefully this has some effect in at least pushing the discourse in a more more sane direction and then i roped john into it i i always rope john into things and then he hates me because he works like a mother ever hardest worker i've ever met <laughs> well we definitely appreciate you john did you both kind of yeah. have um a u.s constitutionalist views on the second amendment like your whole lives did something change i know you lived in uh you you live in canada so i'm interested in your views on the american <laughs> second amendment i'll let john go first this time um, yeah, you know, so, I mean, I've, I've been a conservative and uh, sort of on the right for, uh, you know, my, my whole political life, basically. So I, I was always, um, you know, very uh, in favor of gun rights. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, since I got more involved, uh, you know, online and, uh, you know, since 2015 and all this stuff, um, you know, I, I, I learned more about it because it, it just made sense to me, you know, like all... Um, all, all power is backed by force, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the one thing that makes the, the U.S. unique is that it it basically bequeathed that 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 power and responsibility to the people with the Second Amendment, and I always thought that was really special, and always made sense to me uh, why you know um, why forces that that seek to oppress the people want to take that away. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's like that line, uh, that, that sort of slogan that, that people always say, which is, you know, you, you have the first amendment and then you have, you have the second amendment to, to back that up, right? Like if the first amendment fails, mm-hmm. you always have the second amendment. And, uh, yeah, it just made sense to me. I thought it was really important, uh, what makes America unique. And I think that is something that a lot of under, a lot of other countries don't understand, and I think maybe the younger generations in America also by design don't really understand that well. Uh, so it's important for, you know, because you can't rely on the school system to actually mm-hmm. teach this. So um, it's important to make these documentaries and, and, and just get the word out so people can understand, you know, how, how special it is that they have this right enshrined in their constitution. Yes, the Second Amendment enforces the rest of the constitution for sure. Lauren, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I I grew up in a bit of a Fox News house, mm-hmm. so as much as I was Canadian, I was constantly hearing these arguments from Bill O'Reilly at the time. It was always Bill O'Reilly, not mm-hmm. Tucker Carlson, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And um, guns were always something that I was fascinated by as a young girl. And the older I got, I started realizing the necessity for them from self-defense to actual. This is something people don't get about Canada. Like you see bears all the time, especially when you're in the rural areas. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be walking out in the woods. You want to have that ability to defend yourself if a bear or a cougar shows up, which happens. Two people were just uh, eaten by a bear in a public park here a few months wow. ago in Canada, in British Columbia. Yikes. And their dog too, right? Um, Yeah, I know, pretty pretty sad. And you're actually not allowed to have guns on uh, Queen Land, I I believe. The park that they were in, the public park that they were in, you weren't allowed to own guns. And that always confused me. And the more that I looked into this this issue, the more that mass shootings started becoming a bigger and bigger discourse in the internet sphere as I uh, was getting involved in right-wing media, definitely gun rights became... An, an issue that fascinated me, not least of all, because I, I have a country that makes our gun policy based off actions in different languages. We've banned guns based on shootings in America. So the logic just wasn't really adding up. We have more alcohol deaths 
here significantly more than we have gun deaths in this country, and yet we don't ban alcohol, right? And there's actually less um, less reasonable utility mm-hmm. for alcohol than guns. You can feed yourself with a gun. You can feed your family with a gun. You can protect yourself with a gun. You can fight back against a tyrannical government with a gun. Mm-hmm. You can't do any of those things with alcohol, and that's still legal. So the, the arguments were never quite all that logical to me mm-hmm. <laughs> against having them. And they're just fun. I loved doing that bit in Infringed where it's just like, well, also, you know, guns are just kind of fun. And we go out with uh-huh. on the, uh, the ranch with Cody and... Um, <laughs> what, what are they, Brandon Herrera, but they've got another name from AK Jesus, right? Yeah, and yeah, like, and donut operator. Yeah, yeah, you should just, you should just be able to have fun with these things too, as long as they're using them, you're using them safely. It's like cars. Mm-hmm. Have your damn fun, race around. What would be the fun of these uh, amazing feats of humanity if we didn't get to use them to their maximum extent and capacity? Oh, definitely. So, I mean, as I'm watching this documentary, like there were times when like my mouth just dropped open when I, I was shocked by some of what I, what I heard, um, whether it was uh, s- some of the, the laws in Baltimore that applied to some but not to others. But what was the most shocking, what, what was the most shocking part of all this to you? What, what, what shocked you? Um, okay, I'll go, I'll go first just because I have one on the top of my head, John, mm-hmm. but I think one of the most upsetting things for me was, yeah, it was definitely Baltimore when we were walking around and talking to people about how many people they knew how had been killed by gun violence. Mm-hmm. And you, they could walk you down the street, right, and say, you know, my friend died here last week. A couple of years ago, another friend of mine died like 10 steps away on this corner. And then like, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty 20 friends, everyone knew someone. And uh, of course, Almost all of these guns were illegally obtained. We interviewed a gun store owner there who shut down his gun sales because nine out of 10 applicants for the guns were from felons Mm. and they would come in and attack the shop or they at least deeply feared this if they didn't give these people their guns. So you can't legally carry a gun in Baltimore, right? But the good people in this community would tell you you are forced to illegally carry a gun because if you don't, you will die. Mm-hmm. Like it's break the law or die at this point. So you have bad guys with guns and then you have good guys illegally with guns that are going to get in trouble for having them. It's just like it makes no sense. <laughs> I was shocked when they said, oh, well, you know, if you're caught in Baltimore, it's, it's a misdemeanor because of the DA there. But if you're caught, you know, outside or in a different county, then you go to jail. Like I was like, oh, my God, this really is like a two tier justice system. And a lot of times yeah. the two tiers are, uh, you know, the, the government versus you. But in this case, it's like the felons versus you. It's it's incredible. John, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, did you have a part that really shocked you? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, what, what you guys were just talking about is definitely up there. And, um, you know, the, uh, the, 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 that policy in, in Baltimore where they 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 don't really prosecute um, misdemeanors anymore, that came in during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it was, you know, it was reasons, um, you know, it, it, was, it was basically COVID related. COVID-related reasons that they used to, you know, do that. And then when, when it was all over, they just said, yeah, you know, it worked so well. It was such a smashing success. <laughs> so, you know, we'll just keep this going. And, and yeah, they don't really look at the data anymore or, or they, you know, they basically fudge the data and the studies. Like, you, you can't really trust the stuff, 
you know, that uh, that they base these uh, insane decisions on. It just, you know, on a, on a common sense level, it's it's nuts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing that was uh, uh, that was really interesting to me, as as we were doing research in, in like the history of gun control in, in all these other countries, um, you know, there's this. Uh, it's commonly understood that in Germany, Nazi Germany, that um, you know they they uh, you know uh, uh, that they banned gun ownership, right? But when you look into it, um, that actually happened. Uh, in, in, in the previous government, right? So it, it was like 1919, and this is after this is after Germany lost the war, mm-hmm. like the First World War. They had to abide by the Treaty of Versailles, right? Which was basically foisted upon them by the Allies. Mm-hmm. And in that treaty, they had to agree to basically disarm the population. And that's where it first happened. And I thought that was really interesting because like, you know, that, you know, that's like the good guys, right? It's, it's, uh, um, you know, like, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And, and then that became a problem later, later on when, when you had a, you know, like a more totalitarian government take power. Yeah, I mean, that does a really good point because the good guys said you need to disarm these people. Like, that's, that's what happens. That's how it always happens because that just opens up the door for the bad guys to come in and take over. Oh, I think um, I did have one more thing I wanted to add. If yeah. you ever are in Baltimore, my friends, download the Citizens app. It, it, the citizens app i hope you heard that despite my smoker yes. voice um it was when we did night crawling to kind of understand the crime in the area a bit better and just how common it was if you open this app almost every single you know w- within a 10 minute drive of you there's a lit up spot and the lit up spots show you where a crime has just taken place or like where the police are headed to is there an ambulance going there has there been a stabbing a fire a break-in and it's just everywhere. And, you know, I, I know they're having similar problems in San Francisco, a lot of democratic cities. And, and we all talk about this all the time. People post videos, they show like the crackheads walking down the street, uh, how, how the city has fallen. It's one thing to see it on X. It's another thing to live it mm-hmm. and be night crawling and be seeing it all around you 24 seven. I mean, there was a point we almost got carjacked ourselves, but uh, luckily we turned onto a street where there were police, we had this car following us and trying to pull up beside us. And our driver was Connor, a great guy, desperately Mm -hmm. trying to get away. And we pulled down a street and luckily there were cops right there. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty shocking seeing these policies and the reality they create firsthand, because it's not just like, oh, the democrats are so bad it's so sad that this is going in look at how the statistics have gone up like these are people's lives this is like a mother whose child is going to get shot in a gang shooting that her life and her world is going to be changed forever this is a bunch of kids growing up in school in a city where all they're surrounded by is crime violence people whipping ueys on atvs to the streets with ghost guns on them like it's not it's like really really tragic to see that these it's just so much more real when it's not on your timeline and when it's right in front of you. I think that we should have to trap every single Democrat politician in Baltimore for at least least a year, and then they get to come back and start voting on some of these policies. I think that would fix the country a hell of a lot better than whatever's going on now. I was holding my breath during that point when you were going through the downtown and filming all that. I was waiting for something to happen, like the helicopter had its light on you at one point. I was like, oh my God, something really bad is about to happen. 
it was pretty surreal. It was mm-hmm. pretty surreal. But that, that's just part and parcel of Baltimore. So they're just Absolutely. like, great, moving on. Yeah. So you yeah, just, just mentioned. Say, oh, yeah. Go ahead. I just, I just want to say, Lauren, I really like your, your smoker's voice. It's really sultry. Mm-hmm. I, I think the next doc we do, you have to do the voiceover this way. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone says I kind of sound like a, like a 14-year-old boy or something, like a boy going through puberty. Uh, <laughs> so if you don't like that voice, well, that's on you. Well, maybe. All right. I'll just smoke a pack of six before we film. No, uh, it's more time. like a, you're like a cigarette girl from the 20s. You got this. You're rocking it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I, I just hope it's like I, at cer- certain points I'm like gasping. Like, that's <laughs> I, I hope you can understand what I'm saying. I am so proud of you for being here. You have no idea. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so you mentioned ghost guns. So can you tell us what a ghost gun is and who Cody Wilson is? Yeah, for sure. Um, that was so fun. I, I got to give this one to John. John mm-hmm. secured this interview with Cody. Awesome. Uh, I don't even know how you two know each other. Probably from illegal gun smuggling back in the day or something. Who knows? No <laughs> he seemed completely smitten with you in the video. It was so adorable. Oh, he's such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Really, real sweetheart. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite interviews. I think I need to publish the full thing at some point because... Mm-hmm. That guy is a just library in his head, and a literal library. I don't know if we, we may have showed it for like one scene in the movie, but attached to his like whole ghost gun factory, he's got a library of like old, like 100, 200, 500 year old books and stuff where there's only a few copies of them, like all of this beautiful first copies of, you know, founding documents and stuff. Oh my Maybe God. not that big. But like, like some pretty crazy, crazy stuff there. Also, really interesting. Um, I think, John, you're gonna have to correct me on this. The ghost gunner machine. I don't know if I'm. I think I'm allowed to be giving this spoiler. We got to see all the parts in the ghost gunner machine. Oh, you. Sorry, you asked me to describe who this person is before mm-hmm. I get into all these stories. Cody Wilson was the man who invented the 3D printed gun. His first gun was the Liberator. You may remember it a while back. Um, it was just a little plastic, you know, <laughs> white looking thing. And he actually invited a bunch of news crews to come out for his first firing of the gun, which was pretty risky because making a gun out of plastic is uh, obviously, there, there's a lot going on there for plastic to contain. And a lot of the first versions of this, this ghost gun blew up on him. Mm-hmm. But luckily when he brought out the Liberator and did the whole TV interview introducing ghost guns to the world, it, it worked, it fired, and ever since, he's been running um, a few companies, uh, Defense Distributed, you know, he's got his ghost gunner, and these are machines where you can print a gun from your home. I'm talking bring a gun home on your USB drive. And there's a few different companies like Polymer 80, which will give you the, you know, 80% receiver, and um, basically most of the gun is finished, but then you just need to print the last few parts and combine it, and this allows you to create guns that are not on any sort of registry, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to go into a shop. No one really knows that you have them, which causes a huge problem for the government in wanting to track down and know what kind of weapon every single citizen has. And obviously, Cody thinks this is damn awesome because mm-hmm. this prevents tyrannical governments from stopping the populace from being uh, readily armed to fight back against them. And so, yeah, we visited Cody's shop. We talked to him about all of the many legal battles he has with the state, because, of course, you don't get to just drop a nuclear bomb like 
3D printed guns that the government can't track without the state trying to utterly destroy your life. So essentially, his company that he runs, where he's selling these ghost gun printers, he's selling all of these different parts, all of the money is being used to fund his legal battles to keep him out of jail. Mm. And he's such a... He's a real personality to keep an eye on, I'll tell you right now, because he's a real revolutionary, the kind of person that you, you talk to, and he said this during the interview, like, yeah, I'm pretty aware this is probably going to lead to me in jail, but I'm going to change the world. I am going to change the world if it puts me behind bars, and he is constantly fighting, fighting with the state. But yeah, the one little uh, Easter egg that I was going to mention was the ghost gunner machine, the inside of it. Uh, actually, the, the little computer chip has the, it's either just the Second Amendment or the entire Constitution printed on it, like inside the machine, just on the tech, you know, materials. So I thought that was pretty cool. He, he's a real, like, political revolutionary, a real activist. He, this man is not in it for the money. And he was the one who said he was inspired by Julian Assange. Yes. Right? Yes, so that's ironic that, he, you know, Julian Assange, First Amendment warrior and like was taken down obviously by the state but now a second amendment warrior is looks like he's going to be taken down by the state you know for unfair things because they will get you for anything that they can they can you know whether it's speeding ticket or whatever at that point um so yeah that's that's a little bit um ironic but also kind of i don't know it's 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 upsetting the whole thing yeah i mean they'll it doesn't really matter what you're fighting for these days if it's uh if it's a sacred cow that the government wants to protect and wants mm -hmm. a certain narrative out there about they'll make you suffer yes. and i think this is something that people i don't know they sometimes take it for granted they'll look at certain activists or figures and they'll be like look at this person is um you know had this like very obvious deplatforming or very obvious financial issue where the government's taking money from them but they don't necessarily see the more insidious ways that the government make it impossible for people to operate in uh more revolutionary ways against the state mandated mandated opinions like travel obviously that's something i deal with and i'm sure a lot of activists secretly deal with not being able to travel being brought in for questioning sessions constantly having agents show up at your door kind of psychologically tormenting you or this lawfare that you're seeing against cody where they ensure that your mental capacity is so constantly taken up by am i going to be in jail how many like legal cases do i have on my desk i mean i uh I've known people in the state government sphere um, and they make it very well known that when these legal cases are launched against activists, the government doesn't actually care if they win or not. It's not about that. It's about tying them up and psychologically tormenting them until they get so exhausted that they never want to do it again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and they have to worry about affording it too at the same time the process is the punishment most of the time for these people it's, exactly it's devastating yeah. um so you also interviewed andrew pollock whose daughter meadow was murdered at parkland um he had his whole thing because as soon as that happened everybody blamed the guns you know it was the closest i think we've ever been to an actual assault right uh, assault weapons ban whatever the hell those are um, but according to his research, what is the cause of most school shootings? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think he'd definitely point to a failure of the state to actually deal with severely mentally ill people mm -hmm. that have made threats, that are on medication, that have had repeated crimes in the past. I mean, um, he's written a, a book, Why, Me Why Meadow Died, right? And mm -hmm. he just investigates the background of the shooter. Like, this guy was already having to be searched before entering the school. He had already beaten up his grandmother. Um, he had already had multiple, you know, arrests and the government looking into him. And the parents were not notified. Like, I think anyone who is a mother, who is a father, would want to know if there is a child going to their school that is so unstable. The school is having to search them for weapons every day before they enter. It's utter madness. And this is the thing, too. When communities are closer, like there was a large shooting in uh, Canada a few years back. Was mm -hmm. it Halif? I can't remember. Nova Scotia. Uh, like there was twenty over twenty people killed or something. But I, I remember the stories coming out where people had already moved from the area because they knew that this guy was going to kill people. They knew that he was going to be a mass shooter. And when you have communities talking to one another, when you have the state actually communicating which they don't that's the big problem here the school wasn't telling parents things the government wasn't telling people they lived amongst this individual but when you have communities actually understanding who's actually living here who's going to school with my kids who is you know partaking in psychotic criminal behavior a lot of these things would be prevented but no time and time again we see these mass shootings occur, and the only people with the information were government agencies that did absolutely nothing about it. And this speaks once again to the uselessness of these agencies. Yeah, your documentary goes on to cover several shootings after that, like after after his interview, and because the 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 government or the media or whatever will come out and say, oh, well, the the only thing these people have in common is. They're white and they're, you know, 20 to 22 and they're male. And that's all they're going to tell you. But they don't tell you, well, they also are on antipsychotics and antidepressants. They also have a history of decapitating animals. They, they also have, you know, um, they, they've beaten people up. They've been violent in the past. And, and it's all the same standards for each of these. And then, of course, he was on our radar from the FBI. But they, they don't tell you any of that. And it's almost like they... It helps them when there is a shooting. It, it helps the powers that be when there is a shooting because it makes people angry. It creates chaos. It demoralizes. It it does all the things that will keep them in power and that will make the the low IQ people surrender their rights. And that's what they want. So I think that's why, one, nothing happens, even though nothing can happen. But they want you to see that it's happening and they're not stopping it. Yeah, well, well, you know it's not about actually, you know, preventing the shooting. It's not about mm -hmm. actually caring about it when they put it on the media. When you have Canada banning handguns over a shooting with a gun that was already banned in Canada in America. Mm -hmm. Like the Uvalde shooting used a gun that was not allowed in Canada. Once again, it wasn't on Canadian soil. And we banned an entirely different set of weapons it makes no sense. They're just using this for PR for actions they already wanted to take. Yes. So what? Let, let's jump into red flag laws. Let's talk about those. Awesome. 
I'm going to let John take on the next question since I've been hogging the mic like a horrible woman. <laughs> All about me. I get it. Uh, John, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so what, what do you want to know about red flag laws? Not that I'm an expert on those, but uh, yeah. You are now. <laughs> you are my resident expert on red flag laws. So, oh, so tell me like what they are. What's an example of one? Where they can be found? Who has them? Um, anything you know. Or, so a, a red flag law, um, basically, I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, if if a certain person has like a, a you know a, a bad history of, of violence, of crime, or whatever, then they go on a list, so they they can't they can't purchase a weapon. Now, it, it, you know, um, where it gets uh, where it gets dicey is when they want to they want to place people on these lists, you know, because they have like a, a mental illness or something and, you know, but, but they haven't actually committed any crimes. Um, you know, they, it, it's, it's, it's like pre-crime basically. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, a, a, a lot of people have, um, have, uh, have basically called for red flag laws to be used in such a manner. Uh, on, and, you know, it's mostly Democrats, but, uh, you know, there have been a, a lot of Republicans too, who, uh, who have called for that. And uh, of course, what happens with that is you basically, you know, you, you basically give the government, um, you, you know, all this power to decide who is fit to have a gun and, and who isn't. Um, so, so that's that's the main controversy there, and uh, it, you know, uh, it fundamentally undermines um, the Second Amendment. Yes. Um, so, and and this can be weaponized against innocent people, not just mentally ill people. They use the term; exactly. it's very specific. They use the term "severely mentally ill" because that makes you think, "Oh, this is the schizophrenics." I get that, but severely mentally ill is also people who have depression. It's people who are anorexic. Um, severely mentally ill is very right. wide spread. Um, right. Yeah, and and uh, of course, also, if, if if you look at Biden's rhetoric, you know, MAGA Republicans, mm -hmm. you know, and. And, and white domestic terrorists, you know, they, they will put them on a list too, uh, you know, if, if you have a system like this. And they can call uh, it mental you, illness. There's no doubt. Exactly, yeah. You're mentally ill if you support Donald Trump. I mean, you know, we, we've seen so many of these of people saying, you know, um, those kinds of things, right? Yes. So it's, it's no doubt that it would be used in, in a political manner to go after, you know, people you don't like politically. Yes, and it's already the antithesis of due process and equal justice on top exactly. of all of that. So there are a lot of problems with red flag laws. I believe, I live in Florida and I believe we have them here. Um, so it's just, it's something to, to definitely watch out for if you have them in your state. Even the free states like mine can still have those. Uh, so who were the roof Koreans? <laughs> How could people not know the rooftop Koreans? Oh, yeah. yeah, obviously during the L.A. riots. Um, <clears throat> wow. I, I'm hoping I'm going to make it to the end of this space. My voice is slowly disappearing. I'm but... so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the, the rooftop Koreans were um, more recent Korean immigrants who, I guess, were introduced to American race riots, a wonderful pastime in the country where... <laughs> looting and mass crime takes place at the behest of i think it was um john you'll have to confirm this was after rodney king or was it right it was uh, after the, yeah. the rodney king beating yes yeah, so it was after the rodney the king beating. there's so many of these like police situations before uh floyd as well but obviously rodney king was a, a huge one yeah and it had Anyways. actually come off the coattails of um a Korean store owner shooting uh, a teenager. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and she got 
uh, yeah. Um, but they, a lot of them, as Kurt Schlichter said in the interview, were actually like ex-Republic of Korea soldiers, which I found interesting. I didn't realize that because you look at these people and they're like, this American thing where you just let people loot your stores? No, thanks. We're not going to do this. And they got up on the roofs of their shops and started, you know, setting up to fire at anyone who wanted to steal their property. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you look at them and you're like, man, they look so confident. They're just sitting there having a cigarette all set up for sniping. <laughs> it looks like they've done this before. And sure enough, yeah, a lot of them actually had been Republic of Korea soldiers. They were hard mother effers, right? Mm-hmm. In the streets, having gunfights, ducking behind cars. And basically, the government and police were just missing like didn't show up it was every man for himself and once again this is just another argument for the second amendment and gun rights is when shit really hits the fan mm-hmm. it's just going to be you. the government is not going to be bailing you out they're going to be bailing out their bosses they're going to be protecting the capital not you and your family um but it also was like a really important turning point in showing wow this isn't just like a oh white man and their guns and their you know right wing wasp society like no like gun rights benefit literally anyone who doesn't want to be taken advantage of killed robbed from this is a multicultural right that we can all celebrate Mm -hmm. (laughs) multi-ethnic uh it it really doesn't matter who you are so yeah I, i think the rooftop koreans were a really important moment of uh showing not only the very real use it, uh, of gun rights to protect yourself and your business and when the police leave, but also to get rid of this kind of uh, stereotype of guns just being like this redneck, you know, right-wing thing. And not, to, not that there's anything wrong with being redneck. I think they're great, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, the rooftop Koreans are my absolute favorite American folk heroes, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, what was the coolest gun that you got to shoot on Gun YouTube? Uh, the oh, mm, Hitler's buzzsaw. Hitler's buzzsaw. Cool, I was hoping you'd say that. I'd say so probably cool. the most unique one was that anti-aircraft missile, mm-hmm. where there's only a stand-up. There's only like eight of them in the world, and Brandon had gotten one in an auction somehow. Pretty sure he's like one of the only civilian owners of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, John? No, listen, I, I've decided it's a missile. As someone who's shot missiles at refugee ships in the Mediterranean, I, I know what I'm talking about here, okay? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were hoping it was a missile. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, you know, it's the same for me. The uh, the MG3, I think it's called, which mm-hmm. which is Hitler's bus. So it used to be the MG42, uh, which was used by the Nazis in World War II. Then after the war, uh, it was such a good gun that they actually kept using it, uh, but for NATO purposes. So they just, you know, they uh, reconfigured it for a NATO round. I'm not exactly sure what what the round is, but um, yeah, it's it's the same gun otherwise, and it's got a very high rate of fire. And uh, if you put it on your, you know, if if, if you put it in your shoulder first time and you fire it, it gives you Hitler's hickey. <laughs> so you, you actually get like a bruise on your shoulder. It's, it's really sexy. Excellent. So many, many Americans, especially in failing Democrat-run cities, they feel like they're without hope. And so they continue to perpetuate the system that they feel stuck in. And they go and they commit crimes and they join gangs and they learn to not value life. And perhaps that's because they don't really value their own life. 
And their politicians enable that with, as we said, the soft on crime, DAs, and the restorative justice tactics. But America has a cultural problem, not a gun problem. And violence is a symptom. What do you think, from your documentary or, or anything, what can Americans do to heal the culture? I'm going to let you go first, John, because I don't have a voice anymore. Okay. Right, John, go ahead. Yeah, you're just faking it because it's a hard question. And I'm <laughs> that too. Um, well, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, back in the 70s and the 60s, you know, you, 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 had, school, you had school kids go to school with their rifles, you know, because you know, when school was out, they would go and, and, and do range practice or whatever, and they, and they would bring the, the, their rifles to school. And, and and just store it there with, you know, while they were at school and in class. So, and and you know there were no school shootings or any of that. So you know obviously there's a you know it's a huge difference between then and now. And as you said, it's the culture. Um, you know the, the the moral fabric of, of of society, and it's not just in America. It's in Canada too, and, and you know it's all over the West. Mm -hmm. um, the, the moral fabric is. Um, you know, it, it's 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 kind of it's kind of been torn apart, and um, you've got all all these like ethnic problems, uh, you know, and, and like interracial conflict, mm -hmm. and um, you know, t to address that, um, yeah, I mean, it, you you almost need like a spiritual revival uh, in some way, mm -hmm. and um, you know, it's not something you can just enact with with like policy. I don't think. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a very tough question, but I I think. Uh, what we all can do is you can, you know, just uh, try and, and make positive changes in, in your own small sphere of influence, you know, local communities. I, I, I think, too, you know, just in general, uh, there's there's too much focus on what, what happens in federal, politi federal politics uh, and not enough focus what what happens in your own hometown, right? And, um, and I, you know, I, I think people have, have begun to understand that more people are getting involved in, like, the school board elections and, and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, you know, change starts with you. And um, as cliche as that sounds, I think it's true. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, you have to understand, you know, it's a, it's a dark world out there and there's a lot of danger and you need to be able to protect yourself. And, uh, you know, as, as far as, uh, as the Second Amendment goes, um, you know, if you have kids, you should uh, show them how to use a gun safely, make them comfortable so that one day when they realize, oh man, I, you know, I, I, I need a way, you know, to defend myself, that it's not this huge learning curve for them. Um, so you should start them young and, and instill a healthy respect for the, the gun. And, um, you know, just to make it a positive thing. I love that. And you're right about a local level when uh, like the school boards, the select boards, sheriff's department, change on a major scale is a bottom-up approach. So we have to kind of start at home and work our way up from there. I'm going to hand you, John, my last two questions while Lauren rests her voice. And then I'd love to open Thank the floor you. for Q&A. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right. Have some water. Hydrate. Get a shot of that whiskey out of a paper cup. Um, yes, <laughs> All right. Um, so... John, why should we never, ever give up our guns? Well, the, the main reason why the Second Amendment was, uh, was uh, written and, and, you know, then, and, and then codified in, in the Constitution 
is so that the people would have a way to protect themselves against the government. Um, because as we all know about government, you know, they will, they will always grow in size, they will always accrue power. And um, at some point, it's going to come after you, right? It, it's just like a, a law of human nature, it seems. So, um, and the founders understood that, and that's that's why, you know, that's why they put in the, um, uh, and, and that's why they put in the Second Amendment in the Constitution. Because, and, and look, you need it for self-defense because you have bad guys out on the street, and and you know you've got thieves and you got criminals, and and it's good, you know, to be able, you know. To defend yourself against that but the main thing is it's it's the thief in the uniform right mm-hmm. and um you know there's there's so many examples throughout history of you know what's basically called it's 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 um it's 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 called democide it's when a government uh when a government murders its own citizens um and there's so many examples in history of that happening, and, and, and every single time the people had no way to defend themselves. And, you know, no matter what happens, no matter how many soft stories, you know, um, these people will use to try and, like, manipulate you to give in your guns, it's not worth it because you may, found, you may find yourself in a gulag one day, and, um, it, yeah, you don't, you don't want that for yourself, you don't want that for your kids, you don't want that for your country. Definitely. Democide seems bad for business, but, you know, it's a perp walk. It's what it is. And the more people they see do it, the less people are going to act out because nobody wants to be in that situation. But you're right about the Second Amendment. The founders, they just finished this war against tyranny. And in Massachusetts, the Redcoats were actually confiscating weapons and raiding ammo sheds. Like, why on earth? Like when when they're like, oh, no, the 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 Second Amendment means the militia. It's like, why? Why on earth would after fighting this war, the founders be like, okay, let's just make it so that only the powers that be can have the guns. Like, that doesn't make any sense for anybody who's not historically retarded. Pardon me. Um, so, final question, though. Where can people find your documentary? So, uh, the documentary is available exclusively on TimCast.com. You have to sign up to become a member. And um, it's totally worth it because more documentaries will be made. Um, and, uh, you know, like it's, it's, you know, it's uh, a very important part of the, uh, you know, as everybody calls it, the, it's uh, an important part of the culture war mm-hmm. because we are in an information war. And, um, you know, the mainstream media... And the schools are not going to, you know, they're not going to show this kind of thing. They're not going to teach this kind of information to, especially the the younger generations. And, uh, you know, if you if you want to uh, if if you want your nation to survive um, and if if you want to uh, leave a a nation to your uh, your children, um, then it's imperative that you support this this kind of thing because we, we're getting the word out there and fighting the fight. Definitely appreciate that. Would you guys, well, mostly you, John, be open for a Q&A? Um, yeah, I, I might have to leave this one to John. My voice has gotten really bad. Oh, that's okay. John, would you yeah. be open for that? Sure, I will take one for the team. <laughs> uh, I will say thank you so much for having me, though, Josie. Oh, oh it's so bad. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. Everybody totally understands. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, thank, thank you, you so John. Much. Thank you.
Great. So if anybody has a question for John, um, you can go ahead and request to be a speaker down there at the bottom, and I will make you a speaker. And then when you're ready to ask your question, you'll hit the heart with the plus sign, and there'll be a hand all the way off to the right, and you hit that and lets me know that you have your hand up. So if you have a question, go ahead and raise your hand up. Or sorry, go ahead and request to be a speaker, and I will make you one. All right. Go ahead, Drew. Thanks, Josie. Appreciate this. Lauren, been following you on TimCast and a bunch of other things. Thanks. And John, uh, good to meet you here. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for doing this documentary and the censorship. It relates to so many things. Uh, I know a lot of states are going to constitutional carry and, and getting better kind of over time. Uh, what's the most realistic and uh, thing that, and positive thing that can happen when it comes to us just being able to own weapons, carry them? and just kind of do the normal thing and kind of how long will that take? Is it, does it look optimistic? Uh, so, so you, you mean in, in legal terms, right? That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going to get, you know, uh, accosted with it. We can, it can just be a normal thing. Like it's right. supposed to be in the constitution. It is yes. it starting to change. Well, it seems that way. More and more States are, you know, going to the constitutional carry, uh, route uh, which is which is great because then you don't need to get a permit and any of the stuff um you know i i don't know how long it's going to take you know uh, for that to happen in like every state i'm I'm sure in states like new york and california you you know you might as well you know not not even worry about that at that point but um look uh my my view on this basically is very simple in in the long term because um no no matter what laws they pass you're going to have these ghost guns you know that that that's an you know that's a thing now, right? Like that's a uh, it, it's an option now. You don't need to rely on the system, you know, to buy a rifle. You can just make one in in your own garage, in in your you know in, in your house, right? Um, so that that to me, it's like yes, it's so important to you know to fight for um, it, you know in legal terms, you know, to fight for things like constitutional carry and. Uh, you know this. Um, you know um, the, the Supreme Court now is 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 very much in favor of the Second Amendment, and you know these are all great things. And you know it's it's good to see that. But ultimately, you know if 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 they pass a law tomorrow, um, you know that basically bans all weapons, it's it's not going to work because you can make your own guns now, and and of course people will just not comply. So it's it's almost like I don't want to call it a moot issue at the you know at this stage like it's so important like i said to do these these legal battles but at, at least you have that as a backstop i guess that's my point yeah thank you so much that that makes a lot of sense the technology and just the not complying with it not complying with bad laws that right even though they are unconstitutional people have been accepting just what the local localities say so thank you so much all of you thanks thank for your question you. All right, let me see. Uh, Magna, Magna Republica. Good evening, beautiful friends and people. So good to see everybody in here. I uh, really thank you so much, Lauren, and your poor thing, and John, and, and thank you for hosting tonight. And this has been a great space. I wanted to tell people, first off, I'm, uh, I feel like I'm reliving the, uh, the Jimmy Carter years. 
Mm. And I know I'm dating myself, but and the reason that's important, and in a second I'll tell you why. Because the story about people leaving guns in their trucks on their gun racks, that that uh, particular uh, situation was even popular into the 70s. And uh, I remember high schools in the 70s having people left guns in their gun racks, and we left our doors unlocked back then, and the economy got worse and worse, just like it is now. People found that their guns were being stolen more often and things like that, so we had to live through that. So I just wanted to put a little note up there that it, it, the idea of you know the open society that we used to have with our weapons um, no longer exists, and that's the reason it no longer exists, is because our society changed when people started thinking theft was a way of life. So you guys just keep your eyes open, keep your head on this level, and watch your flanks and your six. Love you all. Thank you. Thank you, Magna Republica. Thank you. Uh, Caroline, go ahead. Thanks for the space, Josie, um, and Lauren for being here. Um, I was just. Oh, you muted, Caroline. Sorry, my my mute button wasn't uh, working. Thank you so much for the space, Lucy. Um, and Lauren and John, thank you um, for being here. I did have a question about um, what advice you would have for um, people who are not yet gun owners. Um, who would like to own a gun and what kind of urgency you would put around that and um, what kind of training you think would be good just for people to get comfortable with a gun. I'm still in the process of getting comfortable with guns. Um, I don't own one, but um, I have a lot of friends that they support 2A, but they hate the idea of having a gun themselves they're scared of guns. Um, so I was just wondering, like, what kind of advice you would have um, for people in my position? And then how do I explain that to friends who definitely are not comfortable with guns? Right. Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, uh, first of all, I would say uh, you should put a high urgency on that. Uh, you know, you in, in the U.S., you have uh, you, you, you have this right that no other country has. So, like in Canada, you know, I'm Canadian. I actually live in Mexico now, which, which is even more restrictive. Um, so, in Canada, it never was a right. It was always like a privilege, right? So, you would go and you would uh, do a gun safety course, which, which was good, you know. That's, that's not a bad thing, per se. But uh, you had to do that if you wanted to get a permit to then go and buy a gun and, and possess a gun. So, in, in the U.S., you have a right to a gun and that is something really special and um and you should exercise that right especially in the days that we live in now you you see how the government is is uh, is, is going after people politically how they go after trump how they go after the j6ers i mean that that's the mentality of your government now and uh you know this, that's a right you definitely want to be exercising so if if you're uh if, if you're first getting used to it, if, you, if you're first getting into it, I mean, obviously there's a lot of great resources on uh, YouTube. Uh, you know, in, in the film, we, we talked to Brandon, Brandon Herrera, who's, who's now running uh, for Congress in Texas as well, which is really great, and uh, and donut operator. 
And, uh, you know, they, they just show how much fun it is to actually shoot these things. And they also do a lot of uh, gun safety, uh, uh, you know, gun safety videos and things like that. So, so that's a, a, a good resource. Also, if you know anybody, uh, you know, in, in your family or friends in your local community, um, you know, you should just ask them to take you along to the range and show you how things work. Um, go to a gun range. Uh, you know, you, you have you have you have gun safety instructors there that you know they um, you can learn from. You've got great organizations like Gunners of America. Um, you know, who I'm, I'm not sure if they actually uh, do this, but a lot of these these gun rights organizations will also have like uh, gun safety training. Um, you know, sessions you can go to and, and learn. It's 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 you know, like if if you uh, if you first you know, get old enough to drive a car, it seems daunting at first, right? And then, you know, once you're used to it, it's, it's very simple and it's still very dangerous to drive a car. You have a lot of respect for it, but it's something you do every day and it becomes, it's, it's not as daunting as you thought it was, you know, when you first started. It's the same way with guns. Um, you know, the first time you, you know, you're, you'll feel that, you know, that you'll, you'll feel that, that exhilaration of firing a shotgun or whatever, but you get used to it pretty quick. And um, so, you know, don't be too scared, you know, just uh, just jump in. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. That's the question. All right, Clint, go ahead. <clears throat> hey, John, uh, big fan of your work with Born in the Past. I haven't seen this documentary yet. Apologize, I'm uh, out of breath. I'm on the, uh, whatever it's called. Treadmill. Um, <laughs> all right, so I wanted to ask you, seeing as you're Canadian, you live in Mexico, you just, you just studied gun rights uh, in the United States. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought that the U.S. would probably be the first to revolt uh, during COVID. Uh, didn't happen. It actually ended up being Canadians that, that did a better job of that. But you guys also had harsher lockdowns. Uh, you've also been stripped of more gun rights than Americans. I'm just curious, after living in all three, uh, you know, Western Hemisphere locales, which 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 goes the most totalitarian first, and who who actually yeah so that yeah that's an interesting question i mean um i i was surprised when you know when the uh trucker uh, thing happened in canada that protest um because i i did not expect that to happen in canada so that, that was a wonderful surprise uh, at that point i was already in mexico i, I left uh canada in november of 2020 because i just kind of saw how things were going um and then I, I later found out too that, you know, uh, if I had stayed anyway, I just would not have been able to afford to live there. Like it's gotten so expensive and, you know, but um, I think, you know, what uh, the, the main difference between the U.S. and Canada is in the U.S. You, you still have meaningful differences between the states. You know, like uh, if, you, if, if you live in Florida, it's a very different experience from living in New York, right? In Canada, it's more homogenous, you know, between the provinces. It's it's not that different. Like you, you have Alberta, uh, which is more, you know, like they always say, uh, that's like the Texas of Canada. It's true, and uh, you know they've got a really good premier now um, in power there. Uh, but for the most part, there's not that much difference, you know, between the provinces and. Uh, you know, the federal government has a lot more power there, the, you know, like this gun ban that they just, you know, there's no vote on it, as far as I understand, like, they just decreed, like, yeah, we're going to ban this now. Um, so I think Canada goes totalitarian first, but at the same time, 
in the U.S., you you have a, a very belligerent federal government, um, but you also you you have states who fight back against that, um, and you have a population who like it's more in, in your psyche. I found it's more in your psyche. Like you, um, you were brought up on stories of the American Revolution, and you fought against. Um, you know, you, you you fought against tyranny. Like it's just kind of baked into your psyche there. Where it's whereas in Canada, you don't really have that. So I think the population is more geared, you know, towards um, fighting back, more geared towards resistance in the U.S. than in Canada. But at the same time, you know, I I, I think Canadians may may have uh, you know like a surprise up their sleeves. As far as Mexico goes, look, I've I've been here um, since uh, late 2020, so it's like three years now. Um, I don't really, um, like, I kind of see myself more as, like, in, in self-imposed exile here. Um, it's very different in the sense that, you know, um, you know, if the government's going to just will leave you alone, for, you know, for the most part, it's more free that way. They, they had some lockdowns in different places, but there was no, like, national lockdown. There was uh, no vaccine mandates, like, you know, those were illegal. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so it's just it's it's freer on that front, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's no country I, I think on earth that's going to be completely perfect when it comes to you know freedom and liberty. And if you know, I, I think if you're an American, if you're a Canadian, if you can afford to live there, you know, um, yes, it's it's worth it to uh, fight back however you can, and um, especially in the U.S., I feel like the U.S. is it's it's ground zero for this stuff. And um, if the U.S. falls, I mean, it's just a disaster for everybody. Uh, perfect. Thank you, John. Thank you. Um, Bradley, Thank you. Bradley, go ahead. Oh, thanks for having me up here. I, I didn't have a particular question. I was just going to be up here in case I could contribute. So you can send me down. Sorry about that. Oh, no, that's okay. If you have a question, just uh, go ahead and ask. I'll leave you up here. Um, All right. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, curveball, go ahead. Oh, hi. Um, glad I jumped into this. I recently applied for a firearm, and I was surprised to see questions on there regarding marijuana, and I think it even asked about like SSRIs, mm. um, stuff like that. And it, and especially since I live in a state where they encourage, there's basically dispensaries on every street corner here mm -hmm. in California. Um, yeah. So, I, did you cover that in your infringe documentary? Because it seems like a backdoor way of like preventing people from owning a firearm, encourage them to smoke pot, and then make it so they can't have a firearm if you do smoke pot. Amazing. No, we did not cover that. That is really interesting, though. Yes. Um, and yeah, it just seems like you know, it's it's like you just said. It seems like a very uh, it's it's like a very typical backdoor way of uh, of infringing on, on people's rights. But it's it's California too. So in in one sense, you know what what you expect right like <laughs> yeah well what, what happens here spreads <laughs> right so. yeah so a few years ago i actually did a uh, a documentary series on the fall of california with stefan molyneux i don't know if you guys remember him mm -hmm. oh um, yeah and uh yeah so that's that's why i'm like california man it's uh it it's it seems like a harbinger for the rest of the country um in 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 many ways not in all ways but in many ways i think so yeah you got a point there and the ssris i mean that i don't know the numbers on that but there's quite a few people that are on those yeah well that's I the whole that thing the about, as well yeah that's the whole thing about i had said earlier in the space um when they're looking at banning it from people with 
who are severely mentally ill. Many of them are on SSRI, so that's that just puts you on a list. I'd avoid that. Um, also, if you have a medical marijuana permit, you can't have a gun permit. Those two things, you're right about that backdoor banning there. So it's just something to be mindful of. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me talk. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris Paul. Uh, Susan, go ahead. Oh, thank you. What a, what a great discussion. Um, I'm wondering, didn't the Supreme Court already rule on gun ownership? And I, my second question is, I don't think our legislature would be able to get you know, pass a law that nobody can own a gun. I don't know how Joe Biden and the Democrats think they're going to do that, but it takes 38, because it's, it's an amendment, and as far as I know, it takes 38 states to get rid of an amendment, to get rid of the Second Amendment, and that's all they talk about for the last 20 years, get rid of the Second Amendment, get rid of the yes. Second Amendment. Do you have any comment on the Supreme Court and the fact that America is, is pretty well pretty well adjusted to gun ownership and 38 states takes a lot to get 38 states to vote to get rid of the second amendment right yeah so i don't think that you know there's uh, there's any chance of them undoing the second amendment that's always going to be there so what they then do is they find other ways to like you know um pass laws to like restrict gun ownership so for example in 19, 1994 um Congress enacted a 10-year assault weapons ban, right? So the U.S. already has seen an assault weapons ban. It lasts for 10 years. Uh, it expired in 2004. And I think '08, um, the Supreme Court ruled on Heller uh, v. District of Columbia, where uh, for the first time the Supreme Court um, looked at the Second Amendment. And it's the first time, first time, that, they, first time that they interpreted the Second Amendment. And, you know, because of that ruling, um, I think it's impossible now to actually, um, you know, do the same thing again, you know, with the assault weapons ban. So they keep talking about it, and Biden keeps talking about it, but I don't see how that will actually pass muster, you know, at the Supreme Court, right? So now they're going to find other ways to, like, you know, you know, try and crack down maybe at the state level and things yes. like that. But, you know, um, there was a ruling, I think, uh, this year as well, uh, the the New York Rifle Association v. Bruin case. Uh, and again, it was in, in favor of gun ownership and, and gun rights. And, um, you know, so on, on the legal front, you know, a lot of battles are being won in, in favor of the Second Amendment and, and, you know, and the right to carry a firearm. But, you know, uh, as you know, with the government, they're really creative in finding ways and backdoors and things like that. So you always have to stay vigilant. Oh, thank you very much for answering that question. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, ZNO, go ahead. Yeah, uh, thanks for having the space, Josie. Um, this question actually piggybacks off of what Susan said. I, I want to find out, Josie, you as well, and John, um, regarding the Second Amendment, how do you, you know, one, interpret the context, because as you said, when it comes to the legalities, we always see this game of semantics when it comes to any of our uh, rights in Supreme Court and whatnot. So what would be your interpretation of the Second Amendment? And then when it comes to infringement, right, where do you draw the line between necessary regulation and infringement on the Second Amendment? 
Uh, sure. So every gun law is an infringement, and I can tell you why. So for one, the the Second Amendment says shall not be infringed, which we understand. So what the government does, they come back and they say, oh, well, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you get to have an assault rifle. That's not what the founders intended. Actually, yeah, they did, and that's the Ninth Amendment. The Ninth Amendment essentially says that just because the founders didn't write it down, it doesn't mean that it's not a natural right and that all unlisted rights belong to the people, and that includes your right to own an AR-15. So, in the simplest terms. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, shall not be infringed is pretty clear. So, you know, uh, this whole thing, like a, a well-regulated militia, they, they, um, those on the left and, and those who want to, you know, um, see more, you know, laws um, in, 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 in favor of gun, of, of gun control, they, they will cite that part of the Second Amendment to say, oh, well, this just means, like, if, if you're in the military or if you're in the police, that, that you then have a, a right to bear arms. But, but that's not what it, what it means. Like, it just means that, you know, in, in, in a, a local community that you should be, uh, like, like well-supplied, well-equipped, well-trained to be able to defend your local community against, you know, whatever threat, basically. Um, and that can only work if there's a there's a, a right to bear arms for the, for the individual, right? So it is an individual right to bear arms, and they, uh, I think that that's what uh, uh, Heller ruled on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, yeah, so it, it's pretty clear. Like it's 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 not um, it's not to be infringed, right? So and what Josie was saying, um, if there's a gun law, that's an infringement. I totally agree with that. Yeah, and to piggyback even a step further off of that, if the the powers of the federal government, those are delegated to what's written down in the U.S. Constitution. And if it's not written there, that's what's written. By that, I mean the Articles, because the Bill of, right, the Bill of Rights is included in the Constitution. So the powers of the federal government are delegated to what's written down in the Articles. And if it's not written there, then that power belongs to the states or the people, and that's the Tenth Amendment. So we, we spend a lot of time focusing on the First and the Second amendments you know the fourth sometimes and if we're in legal trouble then the fifth the sixth the seventh the eighth but the ninth and the tenth are so important to understand because those are the ones that they think you're ignoring and those are the ones that will be the first to be exploited and we've seen this happen we've seen them try to to make these laws and then we've seen states come out and fight these laws because we are a republic of 50 states we're not a direct democracy and that's where that's where that's reflected the most is when we're seeing it, whether it's medical freedom or free speech, protest, or the right to keep and bear arms. So that was a great question. Thank you, Ziano. Uh, Nicholas, go ahead. Hello. Um, I have two questions. Uh, one, I, I, I would like to challenge the notion that the purpose of the Second Amendment is a check against tyrannical government. I mean, how would you respond uh, to this? That even the Heller decision uh, says explicitly that um, that that the that the state may restrict uh, 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 
doesn't doesn't uh, the nineteen ninety the nineteen eighty five bombing of the group the move in Philadelphia show that you know however many arms citizens may have the state will always have more so I mean it's it's just uh, it's just absurd to think that the government will allow its citizenry to have enough power to overthrow the government and my second question is how would you respond to someone who will point to Missouri uh, the state of Missouri where I'm where I'm living now and say well gun laws have loosened considerably have loosened considerably we have perhaps the loosest gun laws in the nation and also during those years the number of firearm mortalities have ri- have risen considerably as well isn't that the case for more gun restrictions and not fewer thank you thank you nicholas so vermont has the loosest firearms uh laws in the state and there are really not like no issues happening there at all when it comes to to vermont um also in uh i think it was 2020 this number that i'm pulling it's uh 433.9 million guns in civilian possession in the United States. So that's, for every adult, that's about two or three guns per adult in the United States. So um, the military doesn't have more guns than that. They might have more force than that. But the idea of of a military using force against the people, if, if that's the side that you're on, then you're on the wrong side, Nicholas. You need to be on the side of the people, not the side of the government who would hurt the people. Um, so, so I do appreciate your question, but there's never, um, never a good point to to confiscate weapons from from your neighbor, ever, um, and um, to to root for for the government, be on the side of the government. Uh, to I'm, I'm, I'm not rooting for I'm not rooting for the government. I think what happened in 1985 was just horrendous. I'm mm-hmm. just pointing out that no government will allow its citizenry to have enough power to overthrow it. I would argue we already have enough power. Um, would you mind if I chime in with something, Josie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Clint. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, the, the entire debate over, you know, constitutional rulings, uh, from my perspective, are... are they they were nullified. They were they were left irrelevant as soon as the advent of three D printing came along. So uh, I will agree with Nicholas that that it's unlikely that the U.S. people will ever have uh, you know comparable firepower when it comes to missile technology. Um, but in terms of an insurgency, uh, we are armed to the fucking teeth, and we would be a major problem if they can't take out the Taliban, if they can't take out the Vietnamese. What makes you think that they can take out Texas? I think it's it's laughable to think that they could, and unless you're you know 
unless your belief is that they're going to use nuclear weapons, in which case they can rule over the ashes. But that is not something I'm, I'm going to concern myself with. Absolutely. Thank you for your question, Nicholas. Uh, ZNO, did you have another question? I was, I was actually just going to chime in to that. Um, sure, go as ahead. As far as the citizens um, not having enough firepower um, or being able to have enough firepower, but in the Second Amendment, it, it gives us that, that ability, right? The term militia mm-hmm. refers to all citizens, right? And they, they, they misconstrue that and try to play it off as an organized militia, right? And the National Guard did not replace the militia. That was clarified in the Militia Act of 1903, right? The National Guard is the organized militia. Um, and the, the Militia Act of 1903, it, it, it repealed the requirement for men to provide their own firearm under that Militia Act of 1792. So the, the term militia in the Second Amendment refers to us, the people. Mm-hmm. So it gives us the power to, you know, be armed against, again, a tyrannical government. And the states have many militias that are not the National Guard as well. Um, there's there's many many militias, uh, so so that's good. It's good to always always have that. And always be mindful of that. Uh, Truth, go ahead. Yeah, hi, uh, people. Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm retired, live alone, so I don't got anyone to talk to. I just dropped my kids off, chewed the hell out of their ear. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm I'm like concerned that they're in a protest. Uh, I'm very concerned that uh, Mayorkas is not even going to be impeached, which means that uh, the FBI will remain, the DOJ will remain. And uh, come 2024, I've seen lots of videos uh, of clear uh, cheating. And uh, I think they will be cheating and... Uh, I think if we think it's an unfair election and nothing has been done in this next year to protest or even to get Mayorkas out or somebody out, if everybody remains in place and there is cheating and we don't get, if we get, if we get Biden or another traitor, we will have, it's going to be really bad for America. And, And what will Americans do if they feel that way? I mean, I think... I think something needs to be done in this year before it comes to the point where Americans feel they were cheated and they realize that America is being destroyed on purpose and we have four more years of American destruction if we don't do something. Thank you. Um, John, do you want to take that one? Yeah, look, uh, I'll, I'll just say this, you know, and um, yeah, like... You need to exhaust all the options you have available to you right now before you get to that point. Um, you know, because uh, first of all, like, you know, we, we don't want to start like basically Fed posting now, right, on, on Twitter. But um, yeah, you, you want to, you, you want, look, if, if they're doing like, like um, what's it called, like ballot harvesting and stuff, then, you know, that's what you got to do as well. You, you, you just do what you can, exhaust yourself to do what you can until we get to that point. You'll know when you get to that point that you're talking about, and, and then it's different, right? But up, you know, for now, and as, as you know, as, as, as far as like um, public discourse goes, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, if, if there's a margin of fraud, you, you have to exceed that margin of fraud. That, that's your job for, for 2024. And I think that that's all that needs to be, that, that's, that's all that needs to be said at this stage. Uh, may, may I say something else? Sure, what's up? Well, the, 
the problem is that uh, first of all, uh, I can't I can't do anything that would uh, jeopardize my freedom. Uh, but uh, I, I I think something like a protest or something to at least get some of these heads out because of all of these agency heads remain. Because uh, there is no crime, but there's no investigation and nobody to prosecute. So there is no incentive not to cheat. So if, I think if we leave it for another year and we get to the point and when it happens that we have a traitor for four more years and America's destruction in four more years will be uh, will be pretty, ra- I mean, it would be bad. So, and I think people will just freak out. Like, uh, so what do we do prior to this, you know, that happening? Um, I just we think we got to hope for the best and hope we don't have a repeat of 20, 2020 and uh, don't riot anybody and don't do anything that would get you in trouble with the feds. Yeah, look, you're not the left, right? So for the, if you're on the left, you can do a riot and, you know, you won't, you won't get arrested. You won't get put on a list because you're on the left, okay? If you're on the right, riots don't work. You saw what happened at, at J6, right? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But it's like, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a level playing field. It's, it's asymmetrical warfare. You know, you have to do things differently from what you see the left do because what works for them is not going to work for you. Like, I'll, I'll just leave it at that because there's a lot more that can be said, but... You know that that should not be said in public. I just put it that way. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, I don't want to riot. I, I just had like a, an idea. I don't know if it's legal or whatever, but it just came to my head. What if people went to the border and just stood there and and you know five deep to stop some holes where maybe private landowners were in order to maybe see Mayorkas's, uh resignation come about. You know, something like just start there and then go to the next agency head with some sort of protest right is not you know what i'm calling for hmm. well um i don't i'm not sure we'll we'll, we'll see i i don't think there may is nothing's going to happen to him but anyway thank you for your question uh truth wish we had better answers all right i'll go with zeno and then i guess we'll we'll close up what's up zeno yeah um can, can you hear me yeah um with what we see um, and John, Josie, I'd like, hopefully get both of your answers on this, uh, your opinion, I guess. With what we're seeing right now, um, and we see it all the time, when it comes to mass shootings, it's always, you know, the tool is the issue, right? The gun, not the person behind the tool, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's my opinion, we are um, currently facing a mental health crisis epidemic. When it comes to mental health considerations, right, in your opinion, how how should mental health be considered in gun ownership and the right to bear arms under the Second Amendment? Um, I, what the way that they treat the guns is how they treat how the medical system treats people. They they wanna they wanna treat the symptoms. They don't wanna cure anything. So the gun is a symptom of a bigger issue it's a symptom of all the mental health issues but they want to keep people sick at the same time they never they don't want to fix any of that as long as there's chaos there's going to be people begging for more government uh so what to do about that i mean just everybody stay armed somebody's less likely to to hurt you if if you're armed if the playing field's level they they seek out weak targets so the more people who are armed i guess the safer that we're going to be uh a more polite society as it goes. 
Right, yeah, you, you have to stay armed and you, you have to address the root causes of, of like of, of these problems. And in this case, you know, you're talking about mental illness. You have to you have to you have to take responsibility for your own life and of those in your family and and help people in, in your local community, right? So there's mental health problems, there's lots of reasons for that. You know, uh, just one thing off the off, off the top of my head is you know, like the US government food pyramid, you know, like it, it makes you sick, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to understand that. And then you have to counteract that. You have to you have to look at your diet, right? You have to make sure you get enough. Uh, uh, you have to get enough sunlight, and vitamin D. You have to exercise. That will improve your mental health, right? But you're not going to get this information uh, in the mainstream media or you know in the schools. You're not going to get it from official sources. So you have to you have to unplug from that as much as you can and and take responsibility for your own life. And that goes for so many other problems as well because these problems. Um, you know, they they make it necessary for for the government to uh, gain more power, right? So they want these problems out there because then they're needed more and more. And so you you have you know once you understand that that's how the game is played, you can then you know you can counteract. Like we saw with COVID, right? You saw they lied. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know. Uh, um, you know, they they didn't want people to know that you could take ivermectin and, and you know and and, and you know um, these other treatments because then they would not be able to sell their vaccine to you, right? And that mentality is how they run everything. So you have to unplug from that, and that's how change happens. It's going to start with you. It's going to start locally, and then you're going to have less and less of these major problems later on. But it, it has to start with you. Definitely. I think that that's a good place to end it. Uh, Thank you so much, John, for being here. Uh, Lauren sends a thank you in the DMs. Uh, She, Lauren, lost her voice. So. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not actually a well-spoken guy. I actually have like a a, a small stutter, you know, since childhood. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I don't usually do this kind of thing, but I just want to say it it was a a joy to do it. And Mm -hmm. um, I just want people to see the film. And, uh, you know, sign up to, you know, uh, to TimCast.com and then spread the word. And, um, you know, hopefully there's more more coming. Definitely. You held it together really well. Like, you did a really good job. I never would have guessed you had a stutter. So I really appreciate you being here and stepping in when Lauren couldn't talk to answer all the questions for the Q&A. So very much appreciated. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you, everybody, for being here. Um, if you're curious about the film, I... Put it right up there in the jumbotron, top of the top of the spaces screen. You can go ahead and click on that. Uh, you can also find it in when you click the purple link at the bottom there in the comments, and that'll bring you right to the trailer. If you're interested in watching it, it's exclusive at TimCast.com. Become a member. Um, also, if you become a member, you can watch my live stream. You can uh, watch me reacting to all of my spaces. That's something uh, cool that we have set up over there on that side. So thank you again, everybody, for being here. Um, I I have this weekend, I'll be headed off to Connecticut for the um, Libertarian Convention up there. So that's exciting. There's still tickets available at half off through tomorrow. If you're interested in that, uh, hit me up. Um, also, my next space, which I, I might get one or two more in, in the time being, but the next scheduled space I have uh, can be found in the highlights tab on my page, and that is the 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. Uh, I'm going to tell you the story. Uh, so, so really looking forward to that. That's like my, uh, 
history is, is my thing. So really appreciate you all. Thank you for being here. Thanks again, John. Thank you, Lauren. And I will catch you all at the next space. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other.